This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Thanks for checking out the Week 6 Coaches Show podcast. I'm Brian Billick here with Steve Mariucci. This week we discuss Sunday's best games, including the Cowboys' upset in Seattle and the Packers' comeback against the Dolphins. Plus, Mooch and I draft the quarterbacks we'd rather have for the rest of the 2014 season and chat with Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis. The Coaches Show podcast starts right now. Well, like everybody else, Mooch, we got to talk about uh, this Dallas Cowboys-Seattle Seattle. That, that was a heck of a game. That's a game I would have loved to have done at. Well, I was, you know, I, we know that the Dallas Cowboys have been on a roll and we know what they're doing on offense with running the ball and Romo's playing better and death. But I had no, I had no idea that they'd go up there and win this game. I was a little bit in shock watching this game unfold because I was waiting for Seattle to kick it in like they always do at home. And it just never happened. And so my hat is off to the Cowboys. Brian, I, I didn't see this coming. Did you? No, and everybody else, we'd have been satisfied because we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop on Dallas, yeah. right? We're waiting for them yeah. to revert back. And, and, and listening to the shows that I did and listening to you guys, there was a sense, even Michael Irvin, who I saw in the green room when you guys were doing your game day morning, and he was going to pick Seattle. So how do you can pick Seattle? you got to take Dallas. And he was the same way going, you know what, if they can just stay close, as long as they don't get run out of the park, if they just keep it close in Seattle, then that's going to be good. That, that'll, that'll tell us Dallas is there. So even Michael Irvin was kind of couching it a little bit saying, you know what, uh, it's okay if they lose as long as they don't look bad. Let's talk about how they did it. Obviously, they ran the ball well. They chewed up the clock. But you talked about Russell Wilson. And I've been talking about this for a couple weeks on Playbook. I keep advocating for Russell Wilson. How, how, when, you, when you approach the Seattle offense, what do you got to do? You got to stop Marshawn Lynch? And you got to keep Russell Wilson in the pocket and make him beat you from there. Now, he can do that, but you know he can beat you outside. I thought Dallas was brilliant because I didn't see Russell Wilson other than on the one drive where he did run the read option and actually got in. But I didn't see him outside the pocket at all. They made him throw from the pocket all, of the, all but with limited reps because they were chewing up the clock. They, uh, that is clearly the key to me is how to limit this Seattle offense. Well, yes, and if you get – ahead of them and you make them play catch-up kind of football which 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 makes the quarterback throw the ball from the pocket and throw the ball down the field and all of that that's not their cup of tea that's not what they do best they play better with the lead they play better when it's even they can run play action move around and he can scramble but when they're down and we, we saw it at the end of that game uh to make plays in the passing game consistently from the pocket it wasn't going to happen and and uh, you know what i was impressed with brian dallas gets down 10 nothing you know get right. the, that was an awesome block punt nice scheme coming off the edge and that was that was well executed and then uh then they're down 10 to nothing and i thought oh boy here we go this is going to yeah. be a tony's going to start chucking it up on a 45 yeah. throw day i thought for sure but they seem to be very mentally tough in terms of uh they didn't blink they just kept playing and they kept stubborn with the run game they didn't start chucking it all over the place with tony romo they kept trying to run the ball against the best run defense in the league and i was impressed with their mental toughness in this game sticking to the game plan trying to run DeMarco Murray against an excellent run defense. And you know what? They were successful, and they ended up putting 
Seattle in catch-up mode. I, I, was, I was shocked. My hat is off to Dallas. Um, Marinelli, you know what? I got to give him a call. Yeah. Even though he doesn't, he, doesn't like to, he doesn't talk much on his cell phone. He's just really old school. But that defense, talk about no-name defense. We, we had the, like the killer bees. You know, we had the no-name defense. We got to get a name for Marinelli's defense here because it's hard to, you know, it's hard to name all of them because they're guys that uh, a lot of them we didn't even expect to play this year. And remembering just how bad they were last year. I mean, they were bad in biblical terms. The, they were the third biblical terms. They were the third worst in the history of yeah. ever last year. And all of a sudden, here they are. They're bottling up Seattle for 206 total yards. Are you kidding me? And I want to build on that, uh, the idea of the running game. And, and later on the show, we're going to talk about the use of DeMarco Murray. But I'm going to hold on to that right now. But you're exactly right. I think, and, and I've been very critical, like everybody is of Dallas, for a lot of different reasons, and, and particularly the triumvirate of Jason Garrett and Bill Callahan and Scott Lanahan, the three-headed monster. Okay, how, who does Tony Romo listen to and who's doing mm. what and how's calling but you're right, that commitment to the run, because I think they recognized, even down 10 nothing, that if they got away from the running game, because Seattle is a little undersized, it's very athletic, you know, Pete Carroll, it's all about an athletic and guys running around, that if they could play to that strength of pounding away and pounding away, and they, and they you know, moderate success early, but what do we always say about a good physical team? They can wear you down. And in the fourth quarter, that Seattle defense Physically, that front seven was just flat wore out. DeMarco Murray, that, that last drive to go down the field, was just, they couldn't make a tackle, and that's uncharacteristic of a Seattle defense. He, they just they couldn't get out of the way fast enough because he was just bowling them over. He was, and that last drive, you mentioned some real aggressive runs by DeMarco, but how about that third and 20 how, conversion? Yeah. By Romo to Terrence Williams on the sideline, tiptoe in. Third and 20, Brian. The game's over if they don't make that play. And so uh, it, was a, it was quite a team effort. We don't talk enough about that offensive line that Jerry Jones, you know, maybe he's going to be the executive of the year because all of a sudden we're now seeing. No, 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 don't do <laughs> okay. that. No, don't, be, don't throw gasoline <laughs> on that fire. Oh, my God, so, if we go oh there. Oh, my God. Oh, so my he's God. got these three – Three number one draft choices yeah. on offensive linemen that he can now pat himself on the back when they, they at the time they weren't very sexy and it was like what and but you know what right now they went in there in that offensive line they didn't they didn't get bothered by the crowd noise well except for that one snap on Tony Roman's yeah. leg remember that but uh, but otherwise they controlled the line of scrimmage they protected Tony pretty well. And so that offensive line, a bunch of unsung heroes, man. Well, There's a lot of good moving parts with that Dallas team right now. The score belied just what a butt-whooping this was because yeah. of, of the blocked punt, you know, and because of the missnapped uh, and the fumbled punt. That get, that's the only reason yeah. Seattle really got in position to score was because of those special teams gaffes. If it weren't for that, this thing would have been a beatdown. Let, let's beat talk about, we've talked about the physicality of the line to Marco Murray, a big component of it as well. And we talked about this going in. I know you did on game day morning was Richard Sherman and the Des Bryant. The fact that they had the big receiving core. You already talked about Terrence Williams. They talked about how they've shut down tight ends. Jason Witten. Well, Jason Witten had some big catches. And the matchup with Richard Sherman and Des Bryant. This is as good as Richard Sherman is. Des Bryant's a different beast now. He is, and, and I, was wa- I was watching the game within the game because, Brian, as you know, we had Richard Sherman on a couple weeks ago on game day morning during their bye, and he was terrific. But he, typically he plays the left corner spot. 
So it was going to be, all right, how many times will the Cowboys match up Des Bryant over there on their offensive right side against Richard Sherman? Didn't happen a lot. Des had 10 targets and only four catches. But, but what happened in the game, Byron Maxwell got hurt, all right? And you're already talking about a team, Seattle, who lost Walter Thurman last year and Brandon Browner, okay? So now Maxwell gets hurt, who plays the other side uh, away from Richard Sherman. So now Richard Sherman moved over there, and he ended up on Des Bryant over there on the other side. And then and Marcus Burley is now the other corner. It's going to be interesting because this secondary of the Seattle Seahawks is a little bit different. Huh? I should say a lot different than last year's secondary with depth. So will Richard Sherman finally start traveling with guys like a Des Bryant, or will they will find a way to play right and left with these guys? I think right now they have huge decisions to make. And this shook up the Seahawks as you read the comments mm. afterwards. Um, and they start, and a typical, all it takes is a, 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 a loss like this. They start chipping at one another. Doug Baldwin uh, going at uh, Russell a little bit. And not, you know, we're better than this. And an expletive uh, riddled, sounded like me, an expletive riddled uh, response to the press about how bad they were. Uh, but I think what they did recognize, and I did a radio show in Seattle uh, on Monday morning, the fans are a little panicked because they realize, oh, boy, we might lose home field advantage. I mean, that's always been the supposition. We're going to come through Seattle. No matter what happens, we're good, and it's all going to come. That's definitely – we'll see what goes down the way here, but that's definitely in jeopardy it, here, and it, that changes the price of poker here a little bit, doesn't it? Isn't it crazy, Brian, how, how when you win, oh. you're just beating your chest, feeling euphoria. It's like we are just kings. And you lose one game like this, and all of a sudden, panic strikes. And it's like, oh, my God, we might not have home field. We might not have this secondary. We might not have Russell Wilson running around. Uh, you know, this is a good football team, and they will regroup. You know that. But a loss is so devastating to a team like this that expects to win every game, especially at home. And so we're going to see what kind of resilient bunch they are uh, without chipping at each other and getting back to basics and, and go win the next game. But uh, they know after that game, they knew that they got outplayed. And I, I don't know if it's out coach or out, out, out. All I know is it was sort of a, Kind of like you said, it was worse than the score indicated in terms of how well Dallas played above Seattle. And Seattle knows that. And we're also going to find out about a Cowboy team for the first time. How do they hold up under the pressure of being the number one team, of being really yeah. good instead of people yeah. they, attacking they them saying how that. bad they are? They haven't been like that in years yeah. and years and years. This is a new new era for the for the Dallas Cowboys. Then, like, hey, we're the favorite here? Are you, you, you want to throw gas on the fire and make Jerry executive of the year now. So that's... Hey, he drafted all those guys. <laughs> well, let's talk Travis about another Fred. really good team. And, and if, I, if, if, if I were to go back to coaching, I would take the lead from this guy knowing that no matter what happens to my team, I'd just say, hey, relax. We're okay. Relax. Because Aaron Rodgers. Did some information on who you might draft, Brian? Uh, we'll see. I'm going to surprise you. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But that <laughs> obviously Aaron Rodgers. I, I want to talk about a coaching decision. Obviously in a, in a really good game and, and, and Green Bay going down to Miami. And Aaron Rodgers hadn't won down there in three attempts. Hadn't been in Miami, but he lost to Jacksonville. He lost to Tampa. I want to talk about the decision of, of Mike McCarthy. You drive the length of the field. You're down by seven. You need a touchdown, a field goal to win, or a touchdown, a two-point, right? They get down to the 12-yard line of Miami. It's fourth and six, and they do the field goal with four minutes left. 
Now, a lot of people might have criticized to say, well, don't you got Aaron Rodgers. Don't you take a chance at the touchdown? But he kicked the field goal, had faith in his defense. They punted it back. Now they're under two minutes, and Aaron Rodgers goes the length of the field. Now, it was the right decision because it worked out. But you can see where it could have gone the other way had he passed up the chance for the touchdown. Well, let's talk a little bit about that decision process. Would you have done the same thing, or would you have tried for the fourth and sixth? It would be tempting because you have Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but you know what the percentages are, fourth and sixth. They're not very Down not in the red zone, good. so it's more cramped. Yeah, and so, and, and so you know, I, I, I think he looked at the time. He looked at, all right, my defense can stop him. How many timeouts did he have? I'm drawing a blank. How many timeouts did he have at the time? You know, Plus I don't recall, warning. but not a lot because so, that clock later on became an issue, and we'll talk about that did. in a second. You know, but, uh, you know, you take your points when you can get them sometimes. Maybe if it was fourth and short, real short, maybe you go for it. Um, you know, so it, like you said, it worked out because they got the three and they got the ball back. Had, had he not gotten the ball back, you're an idiot, right? But, but uh, he was putting confidence on his defense. That's what you do. Sometimes you make a statement saying, we're going to take the points. Defense, I trust that you're going to get the, the ball back. Go do your job. And that fourth and ten call and that fourth and ten throw let's begin with the call because it, it's it's third and ten third and nine they don't get anything it's now fourth and nine or fourth and ten Miami calls timeout now I, I understand how you can all of a sudden oh the personnel changes or we're not configured they first off I'm going to criticize Miami here Green Bay had stayed in three wides the whole time they were in 11 personnel they'd been in the same formation every single play what we used to call double right you know where it was the tight end flanker to one side and you have the slot and, and the wild so they're in the same personnel, the same formation, and Miami calls out, and, and Joe Philbin says today, well, we wanted to get a look at their, at their personnel and formation. Well, and you stop the clock. That was the thing. It stopped. So you're, instead of making Green Bay make a call on 4th and 10, you stop the clock for them because they didn't have the timeout. Uh, to me, that's a huge – and they were in the same personnel, same formation they've been the whole time. And, and I'm going to add to it. I thought that throw by Aaron Rodgers on the 4th and 10 to Jordy Nelson with Cam, Cam, uh, Cam Wake, uh, Cameron Wake all over him, almost like a fallaway jumper. He couldn't have been more accurate than if he had walked over and handed it to Jordy Nelson. That was the most spectacular throw I've seen in a long time. Well, that's why he's so special. I mean, because he can make throws. Uh, you know, we always teach our quarterbacks to, you know, balance up, step into your throw, and bing, 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 transfer your weight, all that clinic stuff, right? Well, Aaron Rodgers is the best in the business, at throwing from the run, going right or left, throwing quickly where he's not set, throwing off balance, changing his delivery point. I mean, the guy can, can make plays throwing it behind his back. And so uh, he, had a, he had to pull off a miracle drive. He's, only, he's got 11 come from behind wins, okay, in his young career, uh, which is not a lot. Others have more than that. They're not behind all that much. But he, this was one of his classic wins because that last drive was epic. And, and, of course, the fourth and ten. And then the fake spike later on. And it was, it was one for the ages. And Aaron Rodgers. Now, we're, wet, we're West Coast guys, sort of. And, you know, 11 personnel is kind of what you do in your no-huddle, two-minute sure. drill most of the time. And so, and so I think maybe Miami was taking a timeout maybe to catch their breath. Which is okay. Maybe to give them extra I'm, I'm, coaching I'm, points. Sure. Look a... for this. Look for that. Let's, hey, he might throw to Jordy Nelson this time. You know what I mean? And, and you know, there, there might have been some reason for, you know, taking a deep breath there and, and, and because it's the game. The game's on the line, right? And, and I can understand, but the, to call the timeout where the time is going to be a factor and then to afterwards say, well, we wanted to see what personnel they were in. 
That's the one that didn't jive. If I'd have said, hey, we were sucking gas here and we needed to regroup. Okay, fair enough. But he said, but he said, this is what we do. We've done it before. And we as a staff had decided ahead of time in these situations, this is what we do. I I, I don't I I question that one. But yeah, Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the job that they did and, and and to build on what you're saying and go back, we've talked about this before. What's so comical now is remembering that Aaron Rodgers fell to 24th in the draft because we were we weren't sure. I say we collectively, the NFL mentality, how athletic he was outside the pocket, how good an athlete he was. How ridiculous does that sound right now? I know. But Brian, Brian, you got to remember it was here, Alex Smith, right? And Alex Smith, he was not a schlup in college. No, right? he no. Was undefeated. Did it all at Utah. He had a 40 on the wonderlick. Okay, he was athletic. He was taller than Aaron. He was, you know, his stats were great. I mean, so that was a, you know, we talk about those decisions, the Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning ones, and then the, you know, the other ones, you know, there was others. But this Alex Smith one, there was a lot of mixed feelings on as to who was sure. Going to go and, I, and I'm with you. Yeah. I understand Alex Smith. And he only fell one. to 24th because a lot of those teams simply didn't need a quarterback. Right. It was kind of how it went that year. But it, what's Crazy. comical is, is is Mike McCarthy was on the San Francisco staff that chose Alex Smith. I know it. And I then know. and then gets yes. a job in Green Bay I, and falls into the other thing. I'm going back to my old Minnesota. Minnesota <laughs> passed on him twice in that draft. Twice. For two players that didn't last more than two or three leagues. You, what, would, what would the oh, Minnesota Vikings story be today if they'd have taken Aaron Rodgers with one of those picks? Yeah, if my than... chicken had lips, it could whistle. You know what? <laughs> I was in San Francisco when Tom Brady wanted to come to the 49ers, too. And we passed them six times, and so did everybody in the league until Bilicek fell on them you know, over there. So there's, all, there's, there's some examples about passing up these quarterbacks. You know, they weren't, they weren't Hall of Famers then coming out of college. They were good, but you just didn't know how good they were going to be. Maybe somebody else was a little better at the time. Next points win the game. The, ball, it's, it's, the ball's clearly in their, in their court. It's going to come down to a field goal in overtime. Kick is up. It looks good, and it yes! is... No! No good! He missed it! Another great game Sunday was the overtime tie between the Panthers and the Bengals. And joining us now to talk about this contest is Cincinnati Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis. Marvin, how you doing? I'm doing well, Coach. How are you doing today? Nobody likes a tie. Should we do something in the league to just eliminate (laughs) those altogether? Would you be for just playing it out, uh, untimed quarter? Well, I don't know. Uh, We were, I think both teams were pretty well spent yesterday. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, 75 minutes is a lot of football, a lot of snaps, a lot of plays. And when you start out with 46 guys, everybody's pretty drained. So, uh, again, I, I don't know. We might, you know, expose ourselves to more injuries even. That's a good point. And that's obviously the reason why they put the timed quarter. And, of course, if they'll let you expand the game day roster, maybe that'll get you to change your thinking a little bit. Talk about when we were in Baltimore together, we had Matt Stover, and he was Mr. Consistent. And, it, and was one of the established veterans on the team. Talk a little bit about how you deal with the disappointment, both individually and collectively at the team, when a Mike Nugent goes in and misses an opportunity like that, and and how that team handles it. I know uh, Adam Jones chipping away a little bit. How do you deal with that? Well, I, I think it's obviously it's it's a we have a lot of confidence in Mike, and and 
he has a, you know, a job to do that no one pays much attention until you got to go kick the game-winning field goal, PAT. Uh, you're looking for a big kickoff. And uh, when it doesn't come out on, on his side, uh, you know, everybody feels bad. But there were a lot of football plays offensively and defensively that impacted that football game way before the, the game-deciding kick uh, could have happened. We had chances to put the game away, uh, both on offense, both on defense, to get that done. And, and we failed to do it. Yeah, and the good news is Andy Dalton put your team in position to do that under a critical situation. Talk a little bit about how Andy continues to progress, particularly under those, you know, stressful situations. Well, Andy did. He did a great job uh, leading us uh, down the field a couple times in the fourth quarter, leading us back in the game, and then uh, obviously down the field in overtime and uh, twice. And so we had opportunities there and, uh, uh, you know, we, we made you know maybe one bad decision on the day, and we got to try eliminate all of those. We because we did have two turnovers. One he got hit, and one uh, you know we got to do a little better job of. So, again, being consistent, uh, he's got the ball in his hands just like that kicker that has the game-winning kick. No different than the cornerback on defense. We put him in a one-on-one situation. We're looking for him to win in that down. And uh, you know those are those are the toughest jobs out there on the football field because when it doesn't go right, everybody sees it. You know, you when, when you first got to Cincinnati, you had Carson Palmer and Chad Ochocinco, and you're throwing it all over the place. But then you made a conversion. I remember you telling me that as an organization, you were never going to be in a position where you couldn't run the ball again. And you made that decision a couple of years ago. You certainly have that with Giovanni Bernard. Talk a little bit about that mentality of having that kind of running back. Well, I, I really believe, you know, you know, we were in that division for so long, this AFC North. I mean, I've been stuck in it my entire <laughs> NFL career. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is tough football. These are tough teams. The conditions get tougher as the year goes on, and you have to have physical people. And running the football gives the temperament to your football team that you need to have. And uh, stopping the run and running the football, are, to me, are very, very important in winning NFL games, week in and week out. You know, you always got to throw it to win. But uh, we have to stop the run and, and be able to run it in order to be successful for the most part. You are without A.J. Green. Talk a little bit about the versatility of Mohamed Sanu and how he kind of helped step into the breach for you. Well, you know, Mo is, is such a great football player, you know, all in all. And he can play all the spots and whatever happens in the game, he makes the adjustment, moves to the next spot. And then we kind of, you know, we don't skip a beat. And uh, whether he's he's carrying the football as a runner, uh, as a pass receiver, as he was so much yesterday. Uh, we know his ability to throw the football when those opportunities arise. And, and he really stepped forward and did a great job yesterday, made big plays, big block on Brandon Tate's touchdown. And, uh, you know, he's just an all-around great football player. Speaking of A.J. Green, any idea when you think you might get him back? Well, we're, we're you know, kind of hopeful that it's uh, something that A.J.'s feeling better and better. And if uh, whenever he feels good enough and, and the medical people feel that he won't go out and injure himself more, then he'll be back out there. You know, I'm obviously I'm hopeful it's this week. Hopefully it is as we go to Indianapolis and play a great football team over there. And uh, uh, but, I, I, you know, we are getting closer. We're making progress. And that's good. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate it. Ryan, my pleasure. All right, Coach, we're going we're gonna to do a little game here. We're going to draft six quarterbacks. We're going to let you go first. And no, you can't take Joe Harrington and I can't take Kyle Bowler because it's got to be active players as much as we'd want to do that, okay? But we're going to pick six quarterbacks. And this is just for the rest of the season. This isn't for future. Oh. This is just who you would take if you had your free choice of all the quarterbacks for the rest of the year 
not regardless of what team you're with, pick your quarterback. You're first. You're, you're letting me go first. You're letting uh, me I, go I know, first. I know. Are you're you gonna kidding? Take, I know you're going to take this Geno Smith, but so I'll go on number two right now. Stop. Go ahead. Okay, can I, go, can I think about it? No. Can I think about it? No. Aaron Rodgers. I know. I, there's that? a shock. Yeah. There's a shock. Come on. You're so predictable. I know who you're going to take. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. No, this is going to blow your mind. Phillip Rivers. Ah, I got you on that. Oh, yeah. said, I love Philip Rivers. Mind. I love you Phillip know, Rivers. And I tell you the reason but, I took Philip Rivers is because I love the fact that he's got such a screw-up passing motion. Doesn't matter how good the pocket is. Doesn't matter what the circumstances. He gets the ball. He's got no running game. And, and yet he still delivers right now. I know, I know. You see, I left you wide open now because you thought you knew who you were going to go with. I, I'd take Philip Rivers number two. You know, I, I love Philip Rivers and all that good stuff. But um, for me, I am so happy right now because I get another guy who I would have taken in the first pick. And I, this is who I thought you were going to take. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, I knew. I knew yeah, Andrew Luck, yeah, I got you. Yeah, so, so and I'm going to take him right now. So I have, I have Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck on the same team. Are you kidding me? Because I like like kind. I like guys that can move around, throw from the run, athletic like me. And you take guys from the pocket that are kind of like bike riders like you in the pocket. So you're bike probably – <laughs> <laughs> so I have Andrew Luck. Did you see his interview after the game we had on Thursday night? He came to the set. That guy is mature Amazing. beyond his year. He can do everything. He can do every. In fact, I was trying to teeter-totter between Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers for the first pick in the draft. This guy's a don't, stud. He can do everything. Don't be dogging the, the bicyclist people because you, that's a big part of our me, demographic. Don't make me pull out that picture. We will. We'll do spandex. that. We'll do spandex. Okay. But here's the method of my madness. I knew if I took Philip Rivers number two, I knew that would make you take luck. That gets me. Now I take Peyton Manning. That lead me right. See, I, I suckered you into giving me Peyton Manning with the Fine. fourth overall pick. How about that? Fine. You take Peyton Manning. That's For obvious reasons. All right. Now, this is going to be interesting. I kind of know where you go. But, okay, so this now, you're up with the fifth pick. What do you have now? Who are you going to take now? See, so on my pitching staff here, I need, I need, I need a, you know, an Aaron Rodgers that can do it from the pocket or run. I got Andrew Luck who can do anything like that. So I'm going to get a pocket guy. I'm going to get one guy that's a veteran pocket guy, been there, done that, wins, championship rings everywhere. And you know I'm going Tom Brady, right? Because this guy is cool, under pressure. He can do this. And I've got three amazing quarterbacks and are we playing a game against each other? I hope so. Because you'd love that. Well, if we do, yeah, then my number six guy is going, going to beat you. Because you talk about versatility outside the pocket. I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I'm, I knew you I'm, were going to do that. I'm bypassing Drew Brees, which is a lot now. Nobody's thrown more 5,000-yard games than Drew Brees. But Russell Wilson, because now it uh, doesn't matter what you do, I get outside the pocket and all this defensive str- – I'm going to break that down, and I'm either going to run it or throw it outside the pocket with uh, Russell Wilson. So you ended up taking Aaron Rodgers, you took Andrew Luck, and you took Tom Brady. I have Phillip Rivers, Peyton Manning, and Russell Wilson. Pretty good. Yeah. If, good. If, Let's go another round. Let's it, go another round. I want Drew Brees, okay? Can I have Drew Brees on my team? All right. He can be in, right? That leaves, let's see. So I got to think, who would that who leave me Come on, with? think fast. Uh, right now, you can't any hotter hand than, than uh, Joe Flacco. I'll take Joe Flacco for one game with right, his five okay. touchdowns in one hot. quarter. How about yeah. that? All yeah, right, let's, like let's that. move on. I did uh, uh, knocked out a piece this week on my uh, .com. And we've been talking about Dallas Cowboys, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray's on pace for 424 carries. 424, Mooch. Now, I had a Jamal Lewis when he, you know, broke the 2,000-yard mark. And at the end of the year, we put him on a pitch count. Ben, look, because I want you there for the playoffs. And the cumulative – should Dallas put 
DeMarco Murray on a bit of a pitch count because that is a lot of carries. Yes, and absolutely yes. And don't wait for the, the end of the year to do this. Start right. thinking about it right. now. Not only a pitch count on game day, Brian, but a pitch count in practice. Oh, absolutely. Okay? Because, I mean, when I went out, I visited the Seahawks a, a year ago uh, in, in, uh, during the season, and Marshawn Lynch was getting Wednesdays off. Okay, I mean, you got to find a way to keep these backs healthy. And DeMarco Murray has not survived the season yet, really. He's always got something, and it's it, it might be inevitable. So, you know, this Randall kid is the backup. They got to use him a little bit more and spread out those reps in practice, and certainly spread out the hits in on game day. I, absolutely, they've got to figure out a way. Now, it's tempting to keep him there, Brian. Yeah, it is. Because when when he has twenty carries a game, they're fifteen and one. And when he doesn't right. have that many carries, they're not, they have a losing record. So right. they got to get over that and say, hey, we need him for the long haul. Which I never liked that stat because I always got that shoved up my backside because I threw so much. And I thought, okay, so I'm going to go and I'm going to run 20 straight times and go home. Right? Because that means I win, right? You're just going to give me. Yeah, yeah, but, and you're right. And if it's a competitive game, no one should get us wrong. If it's a competitive game, you need him. There's no question. I tell you where you save him. And we were able to do this with Jamal Lewis. We had Chester Taylor as a backup. He had about 70 carries on the year. And I tell you when you use it, in that last four or five minutes of the game, when you're closing out a game, you've got it under control, you don't want DeMarco Murray taking those hits in a four-minute offense, that's where you can save a lot of hits, too. Don't make, As much as you mm. want to have that productivity, mm. as long as you're in control of the game and you feel comfortable doing it, that's the hits you want to keep off a running back I, like DeMarco I, Murray. I can see that. I can see that. But if it's a one-possession game, yeah, well, I, I would worry about – I would want the guy that I trust that's not going to fumble the ball, that won't run out of bounds. You know that. You know what I mean? The, the, if you're up by – you know, 17 points, yeah, let the other guy take the hits. But if it's crunch time and you got to have a drive to, to close this out because you're only up four points, See, then I would you're be hedging already. To use the, you're hedging I'm hedging. Already. I, want the, I want my stud to finish the game out, the closer. And, right? I, and, and, and Jason Garrett would have to go and sell this to DeMarco Murray because he's on pace. He may break the old-time yardage. But here's, here's, oh. what I, here's how I sold Jamal Lewis on it. Larry Johnson had 416 carries in 2006. Okay. Jamal Anderson had 410 in 1998. James Wilder, there's a name out of the past for you in Tampa yep. Bay, had 407 carries in 1984, and Eric Dickerson had 404 in 1986. You go and look at these guys that have 400-plus carries and look what they did in their careers a couple yeah. years afterwards, It's because yeah. there's an accumulative effect now for these 400-plus carries. Yeah. One of the things I was able to sell, sell uh, 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 my guy on was – Look, you, you want to think a little more long-term here, too, because yeah. there's, there's a wear and tear here that uh, that's not a pretty thing if all of a sudden now it's tough to even get it back with 350 carries now yours. Well, especially this day and age where we're alternating running backs, we have a stable of running backs, not that one feature all the time. And so, and then DeMarco Murray, he's going to end up signing a nice contract, but a lot of it's going to, it's going to depend on can he stay healthy? Is he durable and dependable uh, for long term? So uh, as an organization, I would definitely talk about it with Jerry, with, her, with uh, Jason Garrett, with Scott Linehan. Guys, we're, we're going to ride this horse, yes, but let's be smart about it. Yeah, and as long as you have a plan for it, you're in good shape. Well, that's going to do it for us next time. And I'm going to get you out and get you in some of that spandex, and we're going to ride bikes together. you got no point. shot. <laughs> what, what if we ride to an Italian restaurant? Would that get it done? That's, a, that's tempting. That, that might get it done. Well, that's okay. it for this week. Join us next week on the Coach Show podcast. Go to NFL.com slash podcast.